and welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Henry. As always, we are excited to bring you the best of the best in college softball. After the show, head on over to D1Softball.com for the latest stories, coaching scoop, international softball news, fall schedules, and more. If you subscribe today, you can use Podcast 20, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T 20 for 20% off an annual subscription. We are excited for today's new episode that features Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy. The D1 Softball Podcast is sponsored by Bat Club USA. Bat Club USA is a subscription service for premium baseball and softball equipment. In 2016, co-founders Eric and Oscar realize there's a huge performance gap between top-tier bats and the ones most people can actually afford. Learn how you can give your little slugger access to the best bat for their swing, starting at $20 per month by visiting batclubusa.com. Welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast, live from Ojai, the ESPNW Summit. I'm on day three here at the Summit. Gosh, incredibly inspired by all of the speakers that I've been able to listen to. We had a performance last night, live performance, uh, and interview with St. Vincent. And Jocelyn Allo will be on a panel today with professional athletes uh, hosted by Julie Foudy. Incredible conversations, very inspiring, and ready to get back to work and see how we can grow D1 Softball even further uh, with all these incredible women uh, in one place. So ESPNW Summit, we won't spend too much time on that as we'd like to get into our guest of the week. Before we do that, just want to preview what we've got on the site. Again, we continue to roll out fall reports, and we will uh, until uh, the end of the year. Brady Vernon with the Virginia uh, Softball Fall report, Joanna Harden uh, started the fall there and didn't expect her younger pl- her players to see uh, a ton of playing time uh, as they returned most of the players from the previous year. But uh, due to injury uh, in the first couple weeks of fall, we're going to see some younger players get the opportunity to, to potentially uh, step in for the Cavaliers. So head on over to the site, d1softball.com and take a look at the Virginia Fall Report. Then take a look at Iowa State. Uh, Graham Hayes is has a very in-depth look at Iowa State with the Cyclones. Jamie Pinkerton took over there in 2018, and we all know how tough that Big 12 is with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, uh, the Sooners at, at the top there. But really excited to see what Pinkerton does. Uh, heading into the 2023 season and love that he's all about growing talent from within. So it doesn't really go into that transfer portal and and really tries to recruit and and keep his kids um, in the program uh, throughout their stay. So that's Iowa State. And Rhiannon Potkey heads on down to uh, University of San Diego with MJ Knight in there, uh, taking a look at the Toreros. Uh, They finished with only 21 home runs last season. Needless to say, uh, they've recruited some power uh, that for that 2023 squad. And Knighton 
it has nine players, uh, adds nine players to the roster, uh, one transfer, uh, and, and eight freshmen. Uh, Elizabeth E.J. Joyner uh, highlights uh, that freshman class and uh, will definitely should have some impact uh, for MJ Knighton and her squad. Head on over to the site, d1sobble.com. We'll keep it short. I'd like to get into the interview of the week with Patrick Murphy. What a gem. Uh, enjoyed the entire interview with Murph and just can't say enough about what he has done at Alabama and what he's done for Alabama softball. So enjoy. Here he is, Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy. Hello, Tara Henry here, back with a D1 softball podcast. Joined by Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today on the D1 Softball Podcast. Tara, great to be here. And thank you so much for what you do for the sport of softball. I know you're, shoot, you know, there's a saying that I say, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. It seems like you do everything. So thank you so much for what you do for our sport. Thank you, uh, Murph. I, I don't know if we do everything, but we sure darn try to do it and give the best coverage we can. Uh, just a little bit about Murph. Uh, 24 seasons at Alabama, 2012 National Championship there. We'll get into that in a little bit. One of my favorite ones to watch. Uh, six SEC titles, five SEC tournament titles, and one of the greatest places arguably to play, I think, in the nation at the Rhodes House. Uh, Murph, let's start off. What's happening in, in Tuscaloosa right now? What's the, you know, the temperature like uh, with Bama? A softball, and I know you guys have had a, a few football games that you've attended as well. What's the temperature like in Tuscaloosa? Well, you need to come down for a fall ball game and make it a uh, football softball weekend. Uh, we played Saturday, and our football team was off this weekend, so it was kind of a weird weekend for everybody. Um, we got to uh, start our fall ball up in a small town in northeast Alabama called Albertville, and this city has just done incredible things with this facility that is outrageous. It's um, nine softball fields, five baseball fields, uh, flag football, um, a swimming pool, an outdoor pool, an amphitheater, beach volleyball, 12 tennis courts, a dog park. It, I mean, it, it's got everything that you would want. And they invited us up uh, about a year ago to play last spring. And every time we tried to go, it rained us out. And I, they sold over 2,500 tickets to this game, uh, $25 a piece. And um, when we got rained out the second time in the spring, I asked Jana McGinnis, who's the coach at uh, Jacksonville State, I said, Jana, I'll go in the fall if you'll go in the fall. And we both agreed. So we, we started up there, and it was a packed house, great, great um, facility, good crowd. And then we played, I think, three doubleheaders at home, and then we have one. Uh, game left Friday night. We're going to play Emory University, which is a strong uh, D3 out of Atlanta uh, to end our fall ball. So, but everything's going well. The temperatures finally lowered a little bit here. I'd say it was probably 60 degrees uh, um, this morning when I woke up to go go to the gym and I felt like I was kind of in San Diego. Uh, <laughs> no humidity. Um, the leaves are changing. And, you know, it's just surprisingly, if you've never been here, um, on the way up to like Chattanooga, um, the, the leaves in Alabama are incredible. The foliage is just really, really pretty. And um, it's a cool time to be in this area of the country. Yes, yeah, so you probably, you have a proper fall there. We, we don't really get 
fall here on the on the west coast so uh, i'm gonna take your word for it that's one of my favorite seasons uh, a little bit about fall ball let's just kind of give a brief over, overview of the squad what are you seeing in terms of uh you know your pitching staff your offense your defense what are kind of the the, the cliff notes version of what you're seeing this fall uh for i Bam? think probably probably the um the thing that stood out the most is our athleticism up and down the lineup. I mean, it, it's just been unreal. And, you know, we had, uh, we do individuals and team practice, you know, mix them up. But the other day it was uh, infield individuals and um, Allie Shipman and Marley Giles, our freshman catcher from Alabama, they were kind of included with the infielders first base. And we had a little contest where we did slow rollers and high choppers at shortstop. And I said, you guys might as well get over there too. Well, they were two of the last three standing, which, you know, <laughs> um, says a lot about their athleticism, but anywhere on the field, there's a really good athlete. And uh, I'm really proud of what they've done in the weight room. Michelle Diltz, our strength coach, does a great job. Um, and that's her number one thing is she wants to build better athletes. And she's been doing that uh, for years. So athleticism across the board, we probably have I'd say seven green light girls out of our 16 possible hitters. So that's quite a few, almost half. And there's a couple that think they're gonna be a green light girl, but they need to still get that going. Um, but we have a good mix of righties, lefty, speed, pop. Um, you know, because I've made that mistake a long time ago where there was no speed. And then when you face a good pitcher in the postseason, you know, you don't score any runs. So just a good mix of Old and new, we have seven newbies, and we have um, four seniors, and we have four true freshmen. So that that um, classes are really, uh, there's a mentor, a senior got a freshman to mentor, and that's been going really well. So I'm, I'm pleased with everybody. And the pitching staff, you know, we have um, Lance McMahon, new pitching coach, uh, got him over from Illinois, and, you know, Steph, got the job at Memphis and we're so proud of her and, you know, her first opportunity to be a head coach. And I know she's going to do great things there. And, um, but we heard so many good things about Lance from across the board, from the pro league to collegiate, you know, he was a manager at Missouri and he was a GA uh, at LSU. And both of those schools um, had really good pitching coaches and he learned from both of them. And he got to, he had some good time in the pro league with Lauren Lappin up in Chicago. Uh, he's, I think he's pitched batting practice for Team USA at several events. And, you know, just he's he's doing a really good job for us. We're excited about him. And then, you know, the other thing we didn't get to talk about earlier is we got to add a director of player development this offseason. And you probably are familiar with him, but Adam Arbor was our volunteer for a couple of years. And just one of the greatest guys I've met, played baseball at Michigan, was Hutch's manager for a couple of years after he got done with baseball. And uh, his whole family is a softball playing family. Dad, coach, sister played at Miami of Ohio. And um, he's going to do really good things for us in that. So I'm happy where we're at. I know you you answered all of my next questions on the list. <laughs> Sorry, that was a long answer. My bad. I love it. I know it's going to ask about Lance and, and Steph having, you know, moving on to Memphis. And, you know, how, how has it been like for, Mon like, say, a Montana Fouts to have, you know, a new pitching coach? What How is that relationship? I know it's still quite young. Uh, how has that been for her? And, and how have you seen a little bit of a change uh, in, in the uh, in the bullpen? 
Well, first and foremost, whenever we have an opening, and we haven't had very many, you know, I think Lance is the seventh coach in the history of our program, assistant or head. Seven is 27 years. So we've been really, really fortunate with um, continuity. But the number one thing always is a great person. First and foremost, are you a good person? And then we go from there. But I think his strengths really match up with what Montana might have needed this last year. You know, it's it's five years. And, you know, you can't reinvent the wheel in a summer or, or a fall in our case. But some of the things that uh, he's been able to do quickly is very impressive. And um, I'm just excited, you know, because, you know, change is good. Uh, it's difficult sometimes, but I think it's good. And the things that he brings to the table are something different than what Steph brought to the table and then, you know, and so forth. So um, real, real mild mannered and good demeanor in the dugout, you know, doesn't get excited and, you know, is kind of even keeled, which is uh, really good for a pitching coach because, you know, they can't get too high or too low because they're the pitcher is looking into the dugout and that's the first person they're looking for. So, um, I'm excited. And then, you know, we added uh, Lauren Essman, who uh, is a transfer from Michigan, left-handed pitcher, also hits, also plays outfield and first base. And she's a hell of an athlete. You know, she played at that uh, Gulf, uh, Florida Gulf Coast League for two summers and, um, you know, was looking for a new home and a place to pitch. And so she's been doing really well. She hasn't given up a run in the fall. Uh, and she adds a little different look because she's left-handed. Yeah, a true two-way player. Uh, and like you said, very versatile, incredibly um, athletic. So along those lines, it, you know, with the NCAA just came out with a potential to vote on uh, having a third assistant coach. Uh, coach Murphy, can you talk a little bit about that and how that could impact the sport and, and what your thoughts are on adding a, a fourth coach to the staff but a third paid assistant? Well, I think our conference has been for it since day one. The commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, he has been for it from day one. Uh, he has wanted to get rid of the volunteer, you know, um, assistant coach for years. And maybe this is the time, you know, it's up for vote in January. Um, just think of the opportunities that people could get now with just that one extra assistant coach. Um, I think for young ladies, this is a great opportunity for a young coach that wants to get into college softball. You know, I wouldn't say, you know, I, I don't like to say beginner because obviously division one really isn't the beginner level, but entry level kind of uh, to get an opportunity anywhere, really. It doesn't matter if it's power five or non-power five or, you know, mid-major, whatever. Uh, just an opportunity to be a collegiate softball coach. I think it's going to you know, it could really help us. And, you know, we were talking as an SEC coaches group uh, this fall. We met in person in September in Birmingham, and our game has really changed a lot over like 10 years. It's a lot more specific. It's a lot more position specific. You know, a lot of teams have four, five, six, some have seven pitchers. If you have a lefty and a righty, that's a lot of time that a pitching coach has to spend with seven people. And then, you, you know, and obviously first base is different than second base and shortstop and third base. You've got the catchers and you have the outfield. So there's a lot of 
moving parts to our game. And it's very similar, obviously, to baseball, where you have a pitching coach, infield coach, an outfield coach, a catching coach, hitting coach. Um, that's five. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's exciting for the game. I think it's obviously college baseball is 100% for it, the coaches, um, because there's so much recruiting going on. Um, and I don't know how they do it. Their, their recruiting is nonstop. But, and, you know, our recruiting as well. You know, do you get to have that additional coach on the road? So um, there's so many good, good things about it, so many positives. Um, and it's, um, I'll, I'll be waiting to see what happens because that's a big, big vote for our sport in January. And you mentioned that you met in Birmingham. Let's talk a little bit about the big event you had, uh, the World Games. Uh, were there and just incredible the crowds the play I want to get your take on, on what you experienced uh, uh, being there. Tara it was just unbelievable and you know they play that that's the minor league park for your listeners that Michael Jordan attempted to, you know the Chicago White Sox that's the minor league park so yes it is a baseball stadium it seats about 10,000 people but the way they um, reconfigured it um, it was similar to what they did for the Pro League a couple of years ago when they hosted. They moved the entire field in. They put a softball regulation fence up in the outfield, so 220 feet from home plate. But they moved the entire home plate 25 feet from the backstop, not 60 feet like a baseball backstop, and you were so far away from the action. They literally moved everything to the crowd, you know, closer to the backstop. So when you walked in, you couldn't tell that it was a baseball park it looked like a true softball stadium and it was just just to see the people from around the country people would come up to me and you know say they were from indiana and rhode island and idaho and you know just for this the event um and i can remember last year chris Sieben, Sieben from usa softball he told me that the biggest event of the summer would be in birmingham and it was you know they considered it the world championship and you know all the big big teams were there uh but to walk in the night of the championship the gold medal game it was iffy weather it was hotter than heck you know um a little bit later start and there's almost nine thousand people and the lady next to me i was talking to her the whole night she paid 90 dollars for her ticket not off like a ticket broker that was the price of her ticket for the gold medal game Tara, that's like a college football ticket, you know, like Alabama versus Ole Miss. Yeah. And she didn't even hesitate when she said it. She didn't look upset. You know, it was just a matter of fact, she's happy to be there. Um, she got to see a great game, you know, and USA wins the gold medal. And I mean, it was just, it couldn't have been a better event for softball, the state of Alabama, the city of Birmingham. Um, it was just so much fun. And I, I know the players had a great time and um, it was cool to see that too, because you know when you when you play in that big time facility, if you only get like two thousand people, it looks like two hundred, yeah, because the facility is so big. But when you get nine thousand, it sounds like eighteen thousand, and just a great night for the sport. And it was the largest attended event of all the events at the World Games. Incredible. And also, arguably, one of, well, I think she's one of my favorite players to watch, Haley McClinney. Uh, and her, oh. 
<laughs> you're back in the, at, uh, in a home in her hometown, and um, to be to watch her and and see her, you know, just do her thing. I've been doing various interviews throughout the summer, and I always ask, "Who's the toughest hitter you've ever faced?" And let me tell you, Mark, I swear it's almost always Haley McClinney. She is the answer to every, almost every single pitcher I've spoken to. She's the toughest out to get. Uh, talk a little bit about Haley McClinney and what she means for Alabama softball. Well, her hometown of Morris, Alabama is literally 25 minutes from the Hoover Met. Mm -hmm. So not only did she have all of us there, she had almost her entire hometown, her family, her friends. And that's a lot of pressure on a kid to to come back, come home, wear the USA jersey, and then, oh, by the way, be, be the MVP of the entire tournament. And she hit like 580 again. Uh, she's, she's incredible. I don't know how she does it. Um, she was gracious to every media request, to every autograph. Um, you know, and that's the cool thing about our sport is we're very fan friendly. And, you know, kids remember that because they're, they're going to want to come back to watch Team USA just after this, this event in Hoover. But for Haley to do what she did again, and you know she had a hell of an Olympics, um, just balled out and everything, defense, offense, everything, and um, and just a great person to boot. So it was really cool to see. And the international softball has already adopted this role, the safety base, and it is something that I think you and I have actually spoken about at length. I know coaching coaching staffs across the country have, have spoken about it, why we don't have a safety base and why it's taken so long uh, for it to happen. But, uh, you know, now we're looking at having a safety base. And, and what are your thoughts on that? It's experimental for this year. So we have played with it uh, the entire fall ball. And obviously both teams have to agree. And thankfully every all the teams that have played here agreed. Um, and I heard from a lot of uh, other SEC schools that they were having trouble getting it to begin with. Like uh, one school said their delivery date wasn't until March, which really um, stinks. But we got ours before fall ball started. And, you know, we've used it every day in practice because, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a different thing. Uh, the biggest difference is, you know, when it's a uh, pass ball, third strike, wild pitch, whatever, drop third strike. The defender can now use the orange base if the ball goes to the first base side of the field. And then once the runner is past the base, the orange base, the safety base, like disappears. So when you come back from running down the line, you now go to the white base. That's really the only difference. Um, and it hasn't been a big deal with us. I'm a huge uh, proponent of it. Um, I think it's gonna eliminate some injuries that really didn't need to have happen. And you know, those injuries are huge. There's knees, there's shoulders, there's labrums, there's rotator cuffs, there's separated shoulders. There's a lot of major collisions that happen over there that do not need to happen. And it's a pretty simple fix, like you said. I mean, I don't think it takes long to get used to it, even as a player. Uh, you've got more room. Uh, it really, in my opinion, is a no-brainer. I don't know, because I've been over in Europe and been a part of international softball for some time. Uh, I don't see why I, I'm surprised it's taken this long and hopefully teams adopt it and hopefully the shipping uh, on these or, or the delays we can get them going because to me, it's a no brainer. Yeah, same. And I know baseball is doing some different things too, like a, a bigger base. Mm -hmm. So there's room for the first baseman and the runner to maneuver. So they've probably seen it as well as us. 
Um, all right, so we'll we'll let you go because I know you're in the middle of fall ball and uh, you've got practice and, and individuals to go. But in terms of the outlook, uh, 44 and 13 last year, uh, that tough regional against Stanford, they were a really tough team uh, out of in two, 2022. Uh, what are you what are you looking forward to going ahead and, and learning from last year uh, and taking that into this 2023 squad? Well, you know, I have to hand it to Stanford because Tara, we'd won 44 games in a row at home in regionals. It hasn't, I don't think it'll ever be done again. And it took Jess and her team from Stanford to do it. And it's like, you know, I have a hat in here somewhere, you know, <laughs> you got to tip your cap, right? Yeah. Great crowd. Their pitcher did a great job. They scored early in the game, took the crowd out of it. Mm. And then, um, you know, it's for all the marbles again, and they beat us again. So, um, and there was a lot of teams, 44 to be exact, that tried to do the same thing. Um, but I, I'm, you know, the home field advantage is still an advantage, 100% for college softball. Um, you know, last year we sold 3,200 season tickets and we averaged over 3,700 fans a game. So that part of it is still growing. And I hate to say it, but parity is good for the game, you know, especially when it happens to me. Um, you know, you look at Oregon State. Laura Bird goes to Knoxville, wins that regional, and then goes to Stanford and beats them to go to the World Series. So I was, I was pleased for her, happy for her, because I know she works extremely hard. Um, but there were some new faces this year, and. Um, I think it's good for the sport. Anytime that happens, that area of the country benefits. So all those kids in Oregon now, they're going to benefit from that, you know, and then eventually Laura's going to benefit from that too, because they're going to want to play uh, at Oregon State. So it helps wherever it happens. And I think it builds the sport for the future. Can you hear me, Murph? Yeah. Oh, sorry, we're going a little, my uh, Wi-Fi is cutting in and out. But, no. you know, I have yet to be to a game at Rhodes, and I just want you to talk a little bit about those fans and kind of what they mean to the sport and what they mean to Alabama softball. Well, it's, you know, obviously it's a home field advantage. You need, you need to get here. So <laughs> you've got a VIP package waiting for you. Um, I ask people at Mass at Catholic Church, like on Sundays, if I have extra tickets, I bring them in with me and I have four tickets. And I think a lot of people think I'm trying to sell them, which <laughs> I can't give them away. But, you know, we want people in the seats. Um, we'd rather have people in the seats than not. Um, but it's, it's just a, you got to see it to believe it and you got to experience it. And, you know, we have people from all over the country, truly, that just come for spring break. And, you know, they've seen us on TV and it's, you know, I've done that before too, like um, Indiana basketball. I used to watch them all the time. And then finally one time over Christmas break, I went to Bloomington and got to see a game live in Assembly Hall. And I was like, oh my God, I've seen this on TV. This, this doesn't look like this. And, you know, it seems bigger or whatever. It's the same thing happens with us at the Rhodes House. Um, our fans are, you know, truly the loudest. Um, you know, you got to start with Emily Petek, super fan. 
Yeah. She teaches them every single thing that they need to know in terms of, you know, a good play is a good play and it doesn't matter if it's by one of us or an opponent. And I think it's very um, respectful towards the opponent. I hope it is because they get cheered just as loudly as us when they make a great play. And that's the way it should be. So, you know, I'm, and I, I don't think last year, you know, like fall ball, we had almost 1,200 people Saturday uh, wow. for a fall ball game. Yeah, and we charge admission. So they had to pay to get in, and they had a great time. And, um, you know, we've won, I think, 88% of our games at home. So most of the time after a game, they're going to go home happy. <laughs> they're going to go to work on Monday, and they're going to go to the coffee machine or the water cooler and say, oh, my God, you should have seen this, you know, this pitcher from Alabama was throwing 72 miles an hour and I was sitting right behind home plate and I couldn't even see the ball myself, you know, or a great play or a walk-off hit or something. And all of a sudden you get this word of mouth advertisement that just keeps going and going and going. So I think our game is in a good spot. You know, people like you, like the media has started to get going with it. Um, I mean, think of all the good things that have happened to our sport in the last 10 years. It's unbelievable. So, but we still can get better and we can grow more. And um, I think it's a work in progress. I couldn't agree more. And I couldn't agree more with sitting behind the plate watching Montana Pouts throw uh, 72 miles an hour because even I was back there thinking, how oh, in the heck is anybody ever going to hit this? Uh, but appreciate you so much. Uh, Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy. Murph, thank you so, so much. Uh, good luck this fall and good luck next season. And and hopefully we can get you back on here during season and uh, get your thoughts on, on how it's going. Thanks so much. Ab absolutely. And I hope to see you in a game in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to get out there this, this season. And I'll talk to Emily Pitek. I'm sure she can help uh, help out with that. Thanks yes. so much, Murph. You got it. Patrick Murphy, Alabama softball. I mean, he's been there since the beginning. and. He is uh, a huge reason they've been so successful there uh, with the Tide. New faces on the coaching staff and, gosh, really excited to see how Montana Fouts and the rest of the Tide bounce back from that tough loss against Stanford. I mean, gosh, 44 games uh, to win that many games at home uh, and have that type of record. Uh, and you know what they say, records are made to be broken. And uh, it was Stanford did have a heck of a squad, and Jessica Allister really um, got her team prepared to play, even in a packed Rhodes house. And yes, hopefully we'll make it out to Rhodes house uh, next season to watch an Alabama softball game in person. Uh, so that's it for the D1 Softball Podcast. Head on over to the site. Let us know what you think. Like, subscribe. You can send us an email, uh, info at d1softball.com. And send us a message on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, YouTube, and let us know what you think. Have a great week, everybody, and uh, we'll see you all next week.